as you can see, the title is Counterfeit. Counterfeit. I was sitting down, which is a challenge every week, through devotional life, reading the Bible, looking at world events. Somebody once asked me, how and where do your sermons come from every week? And I said, I don't hurry them, I don't rush them. I wait for the Lord to impress me through my study life and what's taking place around us. And, and when you can get a chance to look at the large picture and see how the world is going and where it's headed and what is taking place that we are aware of and what is taking place that we are not necessarily aware of, we begin to understand with great import why certain scriptures were included in the Bible. And so this morning, I want to invite you to bow with me as I pray for God's guidance. This is an, not, a, not an easy message because it's a single word, but it means so much in light of end time events. Father in heaven, this morning as we call on you in Jesus' name, The song lyrics were so reminiscent of what we are in need of for you to hold us fast, secure. And know that in this closing scenes of the demonic barrage against your church, that only those who are established in the grasp of Christ can be held through this last great conflict. This morning as I communicate what you've laid upon my heart and my mind, I pray that those who are hearing will pray the prayer, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say. And when the message is done, may we remember, you will hold us fast and carry us through. In Jesus' name I pray and thank you. Amen. A very familiar passage found in Isaiah. Isaiah 8 and verse 16. I'm going to read it for you after I, before I tell you the story of this gentleman here on screen. If you have your Bibles, open with me, Isaiah 8 and verse 20. And we read in God's word, to the law and to the what? Testimony. Testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is how much? No light, no light in them. The purpose of this message is to magnify the cautions of Jesus. Amen. Now, for most of you, you're seeing a picture of a man that you've never met before. A man by the name of Emmerich Jutner. He was an Austrian-American immigrant known for counterfeiting United States $1 bills. He got good at it. 
He was so good at it for 10 years, the United States Secret Service couldn't find him. But his dollar bills were everywhere. He had passed more than 800 of them. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you about the title of a movie that was inspired based on how many they were able to recover. But from 1938 to 1948, the United States Secret Service looked for Emmerich Jutner to try to figure out how he was coming up with this scheme of counterfeiting U.S. $1 bills. When they found him, he openly admitted his actions, and then he added that he had never given anybody more than $1 at a time. <laughs> Which he made it seem like it was an innocent thing. So as a result, he was sentenced to one year in, and one day in jail <laughs> and was made to pay a fine of $1. And then he later sold his rights, which was made into the 1950 film called Mr. 880. And I looked up that. They had eventually recovered 880 single-dollar bills made by Emmerich Jutner. It's amazing how the Lord has brought our minds to the place where things are not as innocent as it was for Mr. Emmerich Jutner because the words of Christ have a grand import to them about how counterfeiting is going to be a part of final events. And you know that eventually Satan is going to try to counterfeit the return of Jesus. That's why the words of Christ in Matthew 24 are so significant to us as we consider the message counterfeit. When Jesus was asked about the signs of the last days, I find it very significant that he began with these two scriptures. He didn't begin with wars and rumors of wars, nations rising against nations, which is in fact what's happening today. He began with something that was oft repeated by the three gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And Jesus, in just Matthew chapter 24, he talked about deception at least three times. And then he talked about it in Revelation again, about the whole world being deceived. But Jesus said in Matthew 24 and verse 4, and Jesus said to them, that is to the disciples, take heed that no one does what? Deceive. Deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am Christ and will deceive many. Not only Emmerich Jutner, but in September 29th, 2021, Robert Hansfield, a PhD from North Carolina State University, putting together his doctoral dissertation, he wrote about an article, and the article subtitle was, Counterfeiting is on the rise and projected to exceed $3 trillion in just 2022. Here's the article. In a recent article published by The Wire, China, I was interviewed on the challenges of e-commerce giant Amazon to contain counterfeit products on its website. Counterfeit products are commonly thought to be a problem in niche industries, including luxury handbags and apparel, music and DVD movies, 
running shoes, jewelry, and of course, Rolex watches. Sometimes they sell a counterfeit and they name it Romex. As one guy bought a Romex watch and the guy says, why are you making a big deal over one letter? Romex. And this, I understand this sentence very well because I was a victim on that very same street. A stroll down Canal Street in New York City is filled with vendors hawking their counterfeit goods. How bad can the problem be? And unless you aren't in these industries, then what is the worry? I remember buying something on Canal Street. <laughs> Did not realize until I got home that I purchased a counterfeit. Now, I don't know if any of you noticed or not, but I like fragrances. Not that it's neither here nor there. Some people can handle fragrances, some cannot. But I'm from New York City, and that's part of my growing up. You know, we use cologne, wear cologne. It started out years ago, some of you old guys remember Aqua Velva. <laughs> Aqua Velva. It's like, it's a mixture between alcohol and lighter fluid. You know, you just, just slap it on that green Aqua Velva. And, um, but it's become a little bit more esoteric and more modified throughout the years. I remember walking down Canal Street, my wife and I, we are born, I was born in New York, but she was born in England. We were both raised in, raised in New York City. And I was running out of a particular cologne at home, Aqua Du Jour. Uh, and um, very nice fragrance. So I saw at one of these Chinese stands, I don't want to say Chinese, but one of the stands, and there were many different nationalities, but one of the stands on Canal Street. And I picked it up and I said, wow, only $15.99. I'll get it. And when I got home, instead of it being spelled A. Q-U-A du jour, it was A-C-Q-U-A du jour. And I opened it up, and it was a mega watered-down version of aqua du jour. And I realized I participated in my own victimization because I couldn't tell the difference. And there was only a one letter. The box was the same color. All the writings around it, was, the explanations were as I saw, pretty much the same. The only difference was one single letter. And it was sufficient enough to deceive me. It was a counterfeit. I paid for a counterfeit. To, to finish the story, I, I, I got rid of it. I gave it to a, like a seven-year-old boy. That, that was his first bottle of cologne. And I decided, I said, well, you know, I don't really need it. So I, I, I made him think he was getting a genuine box of Aqua du jour, when it was aquia du jour. And he put on that cologne with great pride, and he's probably wearing it somewhere, thrilling all the seven or eight-year-old girls with the way he smells. But a question was asked, how much does counterfeit goods cost each year? According to Steve Shapiro, the unit chief for the FBI Intellectual Property Rights Unit, he said... Counterfeit goods cost the United States economy an estimated $600 billion a year. And that is 3% of the United States gross domestic product. Three, $600 billion a year, 3% of all the funds that come into the United States. Did you know that this industry is so lucrative that you can go to Amazon, don't do it now, but you can go to Amazon, don't do it now, and you can buy a stack of fake $100 bills. 
You could buy 200 $100 fake bills for $12.99. And they do an excellent job. It looks exactly like the original. The only thing is on the upper right-hand corner, they have written right diagonally, fake money. If somebody's clever enough to... On both sides, it looks exactly... You could buy different kinds. You could buy $200, $100 bills or $100, $200. I mean, it's just really amazing. But the one thing you have to keep in mind about counterfeits, they never counterfeit something that doesn't actually exist. So you can't buy any counterfeit $4 bills because $4 bills don't exist. That's why it's important to understand that to appreciate the trajectory of the sermon... It is important to understand the three most imperative qualities of what counterfeiting seeks to do. Number one, to counterfeit means to imitate the authentic. To do what? Imitate the authentic with the intent to destroy or replace the original. Anytime a counterfeiter makes something, and in New York City... I'm from New York, so I'm not speaking to the other cities, but I'm sure this is true in a lot of major cities. When you walk down the sidewalk and you have all these outdoor vendors, it's true in many vacation spots. Uh, we were walking down, I forgot what sidewalk, we've been in so many cities, and the guy said, this is a genuine, and he mentioned the manufacturer, I think it was a Gucci bag, and we opened it and it said, made in <laughs> genuine. My wife and I had the privilege of going to Australia about 17 times. We've been to all, so many cities throughout Australia. And in America, there are almost all of the boots made in America that they tell you are from Australia are fake. Ugg boots. Uggs. U-G-G. -G. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They're all fake. You got to go to Australia to get an original Ugg boot. I still don't know why they called it Ugg. It could have been a better name. But it's fake. But unless you know how to tell the difference, and so we got a little bit of education in Australia. They said, here's what you look for. Look at the type of fabric. They said, when you buy a fake one, the, 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 the fur is glued on. But when you buy an original one, it's actually from the animal itself. And they showed us all the things to look for. So... We had fun going through the malls and walking around and, you know, you could see all these shelves selling Ugg boots and they say, Australia authentic. And we said to the, to the, <laughs> said to, to the proprietor, these are not authentic. These are authentic. <laughs> and we showed them, we said, where'd you get them from? Australia. Another thing about, another thing about things that are counterfeit. To counterfeit means to deceive one to believe, and this is important, that the fake is of equal or greater value than the genuine. I want you to grab that. That's why today, I'm coming at you, I'm not looking at anybody. That's why today fake news has caught the attention of so many of us, many of us sitting here. Because somehow you believe that the fake is of equal or greater value than the truth. Brethren, we are living in the age of counterfeit. There are still people today 
that no matter what is seen on television, do not believe in the least that there is any war going on. It's fake, many say. Third part about counterfeiting, to counterfeit means to create an imitation. To do what? Create an imitation that has been made to look genuine for the purpose of misleading people. The words of Jesus. Many false Christs and false prophets will arise. To summarize the diabolical nature of the counterfeit is replace the original, downplay the value of the original, and mislead you into accepting the imitation. That's why in the Garden of Eden, when Satan told Eve that she will be like God, knowing good and evil, he convinced her that the information that you received thus far hasn't really brought to you that which you can really experience. So if you follow my information, see, God is not really God, but I'm giving you what he cannot give you. And his aim was to replace the original. But today, God's message is continually in a contest with satanic counterfeits. As a matter of fact, Satan has created counterfeits to counteract the genuine. But I am so glad that I'm a part of a ministry whose purpose is to counteract the counterfeit. Amen. Every time 3ABN comes on, I know somewhere that we are counteracting the counterfeit. The three angels' messages is for the purpose of counteracting the counterfeit. Today, religion is designed to increase our desire for the counterfeit. Think about it. That's why today there are so many, there are so many different forms of Christianity today. And, and, the, and the end statement is, well, whichever brand is best for your brand of Christianity as long as it fits your brand of Christianity, it's okay to God. But that's not scriptural. Because the Lord said, there is a way that seemeth right to a man, but in the end thereof is the way of death. That's why the Dark Ages was so significant. During the Dark Ages, going into the Dark Ages, there were not multiple religions. There was Christianity, and there was Romanism. But coming out of the Dark Ages, as a matter of fact, I say it this way, the impact of the Dark Ages is appreciated more on the other side of the Dark Ages than even during the Dark Ages. Because in the Dark Ages, the medieval times, there was the powers of Rome, the Church of Rome, the hierarchy of Rome, and there was the Christian Church seeking ways to survive. And one counterfeit after the other was raised in opposition to a plain, thus saith the Lord. Where do you think purgatory came from? Shut down the genuine so they could create a counterfeit. Where do you think limbo came from? The ideology that if, if you are purgatory is for the adult who dies, that was never baptized, they are floating between earth and heaven. Limbo is for the baby who dies, that was never baptized, floating somewhere between earth and heaven. And if you pay 30, if you pay the amount that the priest mentions, they can pray you out of purgatory or limbo into heaven. Counterfeit. And then the Bible talked about how the wicked are consumed in the fires of destruction at the end of the world. But during the dark ages, they taught that when you die, you go to hell. And you are withering there. And you never are consumed. Counterfeit.
and then Sunday rose slowly, first on par with the Sabbath, and then as tradition was declared to be above the Bible in 1564 by Pope Riggio, then all of a sudden today it is almost impossible, difficult to convince Christians that Sunday is a counterfeit. Because the response is, it fits into my way of life. What is the problem with it? That's why you find the wise man Solomon said these words to us in Proverbs 23, 23. Let's say it together. It's very, very, very short. Together, buy the truth and what? Do not sell it. That's powerful. Buy the truth and don't sell it. That's buy the original and don't give it away. Hold on to it. It's worth something. But the problem today is some people won't pay what the truth requires because counterfeits lead them to think that they can get a better deal with little to no sacrifice. You see, when you follow the truth, truth requires sacrifice. But if sacrifice is not a part of your life, then truth really doesn't matter. I was, I was challenged this week to include or not to include in my sermon because I don't want, want my message to be long. You know, I don't like preaching long sermons. <laughs> I like preaching full sermons. There's a difference. Long sermons are long sermons. Full sermons are full sermons. Right, Ron? A full sermon and a long sermon is not the same thing. It may appear to be, but one is a counterfeit. One is an original. <laughs> but I was reading... <laughs> Just had to insert that somewhere. But I was reading, this is amazing, and I maybe I get a chance to include this later on down the road, but I was reading the memoirs of Mahatma Gandhi. And he had, he had a, a, outlined what he called the seven deadly sins. Now we know he believed quite differently than we did, but it was interesting, and I'll share with you later on in the sermon, one of the things he said about religion that requires no sacrifice. It was very important what he said. But before I go to that, today, the world is designed in such a way that you can choose like a box of cereal or a bar of soap or your favorite type of toothpaste. You can just go to the store of Christianity and pick the kind of Christianity that fits you best. And you're going to get to heaven anyhow. That's why this quotation is significant. Ellen White wrote in the book, Darkness Before Dawn, page 12. Powerful words. Satan can present a counterfeit so closely resembling the truth that it deceives those who are what? Willing, Willing to be deceived. Who desire to shun the self-denial and self-sacrifice demanded by the truth. Now, why are they deceived? Because they're willing to be deceived. Because they shun two things, self-denial and what else? Self-sacrifice. What, what is being said here? When your way of life is more important to you than the way of the cross, then deception is easy. When what God is asking you to give up is not a part of your desire, 
then it's easy to, easy to accept the counterfeit, thinking that there's another way. I could hold on to this and still make the kingdom anyhow. And I want to tell you, that did not happen overnight. But the devil worked on the hearts and minds of those of us for, for decades and for centuries. So today, Christianity is this gigantic hodgepodge of just pick your flavor. And there's nothing wrong with these different kinds of, you know, you might have a choir here, a guitar here, a bass guitar there, a drum there. You know, we tend to villainize the instruments. Let me make a very important point. These instruments are nothing more than instruments. What you do with them determine the impact on the kingdom of God for good or the impact on the kingdom of God for evil. But what God is asking for us today is not so much what song we sing, what gift we have, but whether or not we are willing to sacrifice that which stands between us and God in preparation for the second coming of Christ. I've made a statement, and I'll make it again here. Nobody's going to be lost because they sin. Nobody's going to be lost because they sin. People are going to be lost because they don't repent. People are going to be lost because they don't repent and confess and forsake their sin. But nobody's going to be lost because of sin. But everybody can be lost because they refuse to repent and confess and forsake their sin. But when Christ comes back, he's not coming back for people with great gifts. Here's what the psalmist said in Psalm 50, verse 5. When the Lord sent his angels to gather his children, he's going to say these words. Gather my saints together. Those who have done what? Made a covenant with me by what? By sacrifice. You see, salvation was purchased at the highest price because counterfeit Christianity is connected to low price deception. I was talking about this about three or four days ago with somebody I was talking to a friend that I hadn't spoken to in a long time. And um, he said, I'm vegan now. I said, praise God. He said, I, don't, I can't imagine. I don't, I don't even imagine that I used to eat beef. I mean, it just doesn't even appeal to me when I smell it. It makes me sick. But he's always cussing on Facebook. And I'm thinking, he's a, he's a clean cusser. If there's such a thing. He's a healthy cussing man. If there's such a thing. So some people, why, do, why did I mention that? Some people, and let me put this together, you Adventists. Are you ready for it? It is important to be healthy. I mean, exhibit A. Okay. <laughs> Don't take that too far. It is important to be healthy. You get only one body. You treat it the way you should, then it will take you a long way. But don't ever get health and salvation mixed up. Because you could be the healthiest person on the planet and still be lost. It's important. God has given us a diet as he gave to the Hebrews to have clear minds and fit bodies so God can communicate and your minds can be receptive. That's why as Adventists, we, we stay away from harmful stimulants like coffee and tea and tobacco and drugs because it keeps the body always on edge. There are some people that cannot begin their day 
until they get their cup of coffee. And they can't go to sleep at night until they get their sleeping pills. They are always on edge. They can't function. <laughs> I don't want to mention any names, but I know somebody who says, they, I saw them down in the Virgin Islands, and I know them very well. They said, don't talk to me. They have a shirt that says, don't talk to me. I haven't had my coffee yet. And that's true. Some people don't know what it feels like to be normal, to actually get tired. I had an experience like that one day. I was driving back from North Carolina, and uh, this is when we were living in New York. I think we had just gotten married. I'm not sure if we got married yet. But my wife and I, or maybe my girlfriend and I, same person, and her mother were driving down to North Carolina to visit her sister. But on the way back, I had to be at work on an early Monday morning. And we left North Carolina late. And I had to get back to get to work at Bankers, Bankers uh, Chemical Bank early in the morning. Well, you old truckers, anybody remember Breaker 1-9, Breaker 1-9? That's the day of the CB. So I had a CB, and I called Breaker 1-9, Breaker 1-9, and Carolina Yankee, a trucker, and Hitman, another trucker, said, uh, I'm driving double nickel. That's 55 miles an hour. Ron is a trucker. He knows what I'm talking about. And they said, uh, there's a a lot of traffic ahead, but we know the back road. Just get behind us. And I was, I had to get to work. So I, I pulled over at a, a store and I bought me some lemon nodos. You young folk don't know what that is. Well, nodos means exactly that. You don't doze. But it's not, it's not the caffeine flavor. It's the lemon one. So I, I decided, huh? Well, your eyes won't close. So I decided to take my no-dose and get between Carolina Yankee and Hitman. <laughs> and I was the car, the, I, was the, I was the Toyota Corona station wagon between them two. And they said they've been driving for like seven hours. I said, oh, you guys take no-dose too? They said, oh, we take some a whole lot stronger than that. Anyway, I made it all the way home, got home, sun was rising, got home, showered, changed, made it to Chemical Bank. I'm down on Wall Street looking like, kind of like I look now. I got on the elevator and pressed the up button. The elevator went up. I went down. <laughs> I literally leaned back to the wall of the elevator, and my body slid down, and I did not recover. When the door opened, I was in a kneeling position, and I went to my office, and I said to my supervisor, I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't feel, could I? He said, go to the lounge and take a short nap. I went to the lounge. I slept for three hours. That's a way, that's a long break. He came and woke me up. I went home, and I slept for 11 hours. And I learned what harmful stimulants are all about. They made no-dos to look like just a nice little yellow lemon-flavored cough drop. But what it was was five times. It's like that stuff nowadays that people drink. Five-hour energy. Don't put that in your body, my brothers and sisters. Get some rest. Because the body cannot handle all these counterfeits to actual rest and sleep. And our world today is designed to keep you going and going and going and going because the counterfeit demands your attention. 
But when you are focused on Christ, you can ignore the counterfeits and literally actually go to bed at night. No matter how busy my week is, I can go to bed at night. And when I touch my pillow and say my prayers, I'm out in two minutes. But the reason why this warning is so significant today is because Satan wants to imitate the authentic and replace the original. Let us meet the original counterfeiter. Isaiah 14 tells us about the original counterfeiter. Satan made this claim, and believe me, he's serious about it. Notice what he said. He said, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like who? The Most High. Today, Satan is still in the business of counterfeiting. Let me make a point before I go to the very next text. You see, being, being a person who understands truth is one thing, but living truth is something altogether different. You could know all the teachings of our church back and forth, but unless your life is ordered in harmony with it, your Christianity is counterfeit. What does that mean? That means I know to do good, but I don't do it. Therefore, to me, it is sin. God is saying it's one thing to know the truths of the Bible, but it's something altogether different. And Paul the Apostle told Timothy, that young man, that in the last days, Satan will still be the master of counterfeiting. Notice what he said. And this is the kind of religious atmosphere that we're living in today. 2 Timothy 3 verse 5. What does it say? Having a what? Form of godliness, but denying its what? Power, and he says, and from such people turn away. So when the appeal is, that's why in, in, in Testimonies, Volume 9, Ellen White warned about living in Adventist ghettos. Let me make a point here. You know why? You know the danger of living about, around people that all believe the same thing you believe? No, she says, when you live that your neighbor on the right is Adventist, on the left is Adventist, across the street is Adventist, you go to school with Adventist, you go to church with Adventist, you work with Adventist, what happens, she said, there's a tendency to break down your resistance to mission because there's nobody to reach out to. And when missions, I've got to say this, when you don't have a mission to reach out beyond your comfort zone, you fail to recognize the greatest blessing as to why God has called you. You have no one to tell about the Sabbath because everybody around you keeps the Sabbath. You have no one to share your faith with because everybody around you shares the faith you already have. And so because you have no mission, you become diluted in the atmosphere you're in. Can I make an application to this scenario? That's the danger where we live right here. So many of us work together worship together we we produce programming all day seventh-day adventist programming and somehow we get hoodwinked into thinking that because we are proclaiming the everlasting gospel producing the everlasting gospel sharing it teaching it preaching it singing it that somehow it is a sufficient acquisition to be acceptable before God as to this is okay. And that's why Paul says, I don't want to preach the gospel and myself become a what? Castaway. It's one of the reasons why this sermon came to my mind because those of us who live in this bubble called the three ABN world, those of us who are in this, that's why you got to get out of this, you got to get out of town sometimes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
You got to go to Marion and take some tracks. Go, to, go someplace else. Go to your neighbors. That's why I'm so glad that spring is about to spring because we're going to really encourage some of you to get out of your comfort zones and start touching the hearts and lives of those that don't know what you believe. It makes a difference. You see that corner over there to my left? All of those are blue bags that have been there for a long time. Personal ministries have said after church on several occasions, take some of those and pass them out. Each one of those bags represent a potential soul for the kingdom. But we're so busy working for the Lord from Monday to Thursday that those bags don't even touch our hearts. Every one of those bags represent a soul for the kingdom. I want to add this to the, I want to add this pin to it too. When, um, this is kind of a sad but encouraging thing. We're going to be, I don't want to say this, I'll tell you later on because I could date the program by the statement I was about to make. But um, when Dee and I went to settle the possessions of Don and Grace, I never forget what Don said to me as he was there in that home fifth season in Benton. So what do you guys do there? He said, I'm passing out tracks all week long. And when I went to his apartment, in his apartment he had those bags right by the door, just as he told me. He said, I don't walk out of this room without one of those bags. When I went in his vehicle, he had them in the back seat. I don't go out of this house without one of those in my car. And many times with tears in his voice, he says, Pastor, I don't know how long this world's going to last, but I don't want to be left behind. I want to be in the kingdom of God. I'm going to do everything. I, I said, he said, and he even came to the Bible class on how to, how to reach out, how to do evangelism. He was there. I, just, just give me some of those bags. I'm going to make sure and get them out. You see, brethren, every one of those souls, every one of those bags represent a potential soul for the kingdom. God does not want us, I'll repeat this, God does not want us to become comfortable in the complacency and the, and the lazy board comfort of Seventh-day Adventism. He wants us to reach out beyond those things that tend to want to replace what God has called us to do and end up having just a form of godliness. If the week comes and you haven't touched somebody who doesn't know what you believe and haven't had a conversation with them or give them, given them something, then that week has gone by, which could have been best served that you planted a seed that week to help somebody caught in a counterfeit world to find the genuine person that is Christ Jesus. Dr. Stephen Covey wrote these words that I'm going to share with you. I, I didn't put them on the slide, but I'm going to just share them with you. Let me see if I did put them there. Yes, here it is. Here's what he wrote. In a book, he's the writer of the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he commented on one of the seven deadly sins that Mahatma Gandhi wrote about. He called it religion without sacrifice. Here's what Mahatma Gandhi wrote. He said, without sacrifice, we may become active in a church but remain inactive in its gospel. In other words, we go for the social facade of religion and the piety of religious 
practices. You can keep the Sabbath so frequently that you think that you're saved. But I want to tell you, brethren, there's no amount of Sabbath keeping that's going to get us to heaven without a relationship with Christ. When I go back and think about how easy it was for me to to get deceived, I thought to myself, man, just one letter. I couldn't see that single one letter. And then it came to me in that experience, which has come to me on, on you know, untimed, untimed relationships, untimed events, that in the kingdom of God, details do matter. Details really matter. That's why when you go back and you see how the New Testament church prevented themselves from being pulled in by counterfeit theology, notice what they did. Here's Acts This brings out a very significant example of what the New Testament church did to prevent themselves from being pulled in by counterfeit theology. Acts chapter 17, verse 10 and verse 11. Let's look at this together. This is after Paul and Silas preached. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the who? the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word of God with what? All readiness and searched the scriptures how often? Daily to find out whether these things were so. How often did they search the scriptures? Now, if searching the scriptures daily was needed at the beginning, at the inauguration of the church, how much more is searching the scriptures daily needed at the time where the church is about to be coronated? If we needed that when the church was growing, how much more do we need it today when the church is about to be delivered and glorified? Because counterfeiting is far more advanced today than it was in the day. When they said they were more fair-minded, what is meant by that is these, they found that there was a prejudice in Thessalonica. And those listening to the messages knew that if they were not careful in examining what Paul and Silas said, they could be pulled in by the, by the, by the let me find the right word here, by the continual suggestions of the Jews that did not accept Christ. What was happening is the Jews that did not accept Christ were continually trying to impose upon the new Christians the need to keep the ceremonial laws and feasts. And so those who received the word of God with gladness, the Berean Jews, listened with an eager heart. And here's what they did, Titus 1 and verse 19. Here's what they were counseled to do. Holding fast the faithful. Holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught. That he may be able, by what friends? Sound doctrine, both to exhort and convict those who contradict. They they were told, examine what Paul is saying. Examine what Silas is saying, examine what the Jews are saying. Therefore, you are able to do thing, two things. You are able to convict and to contradict, but you have to exhort or convict 
or contradict. Look at what is being said. If it is right, use it to exhort someone. If it is incorrect, convict those who are contradicting the Scripture. And this is the thing that caused there to be controversy in the rise of the New Testament church. They recognized that there were two elements. Can I make it very clear? They recognized there were two elements. Today, if there were two elements in their day, how many elements do you think there are today? I don't even want to count. But suffice the words of the Apostle Paul. He brings it to us. How the Bereans checked out the Apostles' messages. Because the best way to spread a counterfeit message is to spread it through counterfeit apostles. You'll see what I mean in just a moment. But let's read the scripture on the way there. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13 to 15. This was true in their day. How much truer is it in our day today? For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into what? Apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, in verse 15, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of what? Righteousness, whose end will be according to their work. I don't want to mention his name. very well-known evangelist. And he was approached by Inside Edition about a statement he made about not traveling on commercial airlines. He said, I don't travel on commercial airlines because there are a whole lot of devils in that plane. So they approached this gentleman and said, Why, how do you justify that statement? You don't travel on commercial airlines because there are a whole lot of devils on board. And he said to the Inside Edition interviewer, you caught me off guard. So this very enthusiastic young lady kept asking him, could you explain, are you saying that people on planes are devils? He said, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And he was so uncomfortable that his demon came out. And he said to her, with extended, overextended index finger, I never called anybody a demon. Don't you ever publish that. And then he backed up and caught himself because he wrestled out against flesh and blood. Not that it is a sin to have a $38 million jet or $21 million jet or $18 million jet. Not a sin to have any of those if you can afford it. She said, that's not my issue. My issue is how do you quantify calling people devils when these are the people that God has called you to minister to? She was in essence saying to him in a nutshell, you are no different than them. It was not a funny interview, but it brought my mind to the place where Jeremiah the prophet calls us to understand and remember where we are today. 
Jeremiah the prophet in Jeremiah 14, 14 talks about this counterfeiting taking place in his day and how it still exists today. Look at it. My wife and I are in the book of, we're in the book of Jeremiah. The Lord said to Jeremiah the prophet, the prophets prophesy lies in my name. I have not sent them, commanded them, nor spoke to them. They prophesied to you what kind of visions? A false vision, divination, a worthless thing, and the deceit of their own heart. If that was true in Jeremiah's day, how much truer is it today? About seven or eight years ago, my wife and I were laying up, sitting, you know, Saturday night is our night where we relax. It may be real or it may be counterfeit. Just wait and see. counterfeit okay they'll reset it and we'll continue to preach uh, maybe Kevin could show them how to reset it but I didn't ask for that to happen but it illustrated my point uh, false alarm and how they, how they Moses maybe Moses could help them do that but let's just pray right now because this is not the illustration I was looking for Father in heaven, we pray that this alarm can be reset and that this interruption can be prevented. We know that the enemy doesn't want what is being said here today to go out. And we ask in Jesus' name that this will be quelled and that we'll be able to finish this message. So we put this matter in your hand, knowing that you are capable in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Praise God devil don't like this message I don't know how that happened but praise God that it ended before the prayer did amen somebody amen. I was down in the, the Caribbean oh, a few years ago this is what God does when you pray specific prayers God answers that and thank you for those that God used to turn that alarm off and I was invited to a youth rally in the evening to sing and as I walked into the building and I was given the microphone the lights went off as soon as they gave me the microphone. Now, any normal person would say, God doesn't want me to sing. And everybody turned their phones on, Darrell. Everybody turned their phones on and just lit up with phones. And I said, yelling over the quietude of the audience that was packed, I said, let's pray this prayer. And I said, Lord, I made this a personal request. Father, if you want me to sing, please turn the lights back on for your glory in Jesus name I said amen and the lights came on amen. I sang the song and when I was done singing the song the lights went off and never came back on for the rest of the evening we found that the next day they said the, the power never came back on it only came on for that song and it never came back on again we have experienced God answering prayers immediately but I also know that the enemy likes to interrupt when God's word is going forth. So enjoy the sound effects that were part of the message today. 
There are many that God did not send, but they go in Jesus' name. And this is the age that we have to be conscious. Can I be very clear? This is the age that we have to be conscious because what is happening today is far deeper than you think. I'm on the front lines. I not only work with 3ABM, but I work as a pastor in the Illinois Conference. And I've been here for 19 years. But my ministry began back in 1987 in a Northern California Conference. And through the years on the front line, I've had to be in situations where I, I take the, the bullet, I, I praise God for the bulletproof vest of his word. Because I've had to conduct uh, internal investigations to see where the internal plant was trying to lead our membership away. I've been in churches where on Sabbath afternoon we had people that came to town that said, hey, come to our home for fellowship lunch. We're having a great Bible study. And they were so excited that everybody, like 17, 18 of our members went over and they went the next week and they went the next week and the fourth week they said, pastor, you should come. These Bible studies are amazing. And the moment I walked in, I smelled the smoke of counterfeit. So I stood, and as these people were waxing eloquent, Ricky, I said, can I ask you some questions? You see, in New York City, as I was being raised, I was trained how to, how to, how to pick out the offshoots, those that want to divide God's people. Let me say something, brethren. Do you think the devil wants to divide God's people? That's why he says the dragon is angry with those who keep the commandments of God. He is working outside and inside to separate the people of God. I asked them a number of questions, and before the 15 or 20 minutes went by, it began to be clear that these people came from Washington State, where at that time there was a large headquarters of offshoot ministries, and they were proliferating their garbage throughout the nation, picking churches, looking for newly baptized members, drawing them, drawing them into Bible studies like David Koresh did, and leading them down a path of destruction. And that day the Lord sent me there and recovered my, our membership again because they were out-of-town shepherd's rods that were clever with it. What they do is they study the writings of Ellen White inside out and they use it instead of the Bible and lead people away that are unweary of what her writing says. I have to say this in a very respectful way. I honor with all my heart the work that God does through Ellen White's writings. But do not ever use it to take the place of God's word. And that's what these offshoot groups do. That's why, why do they do that? Here's why they do that. The devil has found a way to use Adventist against Adventist. Look at this scripture. He knows this verse better than many of you do. 1 John 2 verse 4. He who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and what else? The truth is not in him. So he says, okay, since that's the case, you're looking for people that keep the commandments for you to be comfortable. So what happens? I get people that keep the commandments, Terry, that claim the same thing you claim, believe the same, you, same thing you believe, go to the same church you tend to go to, have the same background you tend to have, eat the same things you eat and wear the same things you wear, and you are completely comfortable and you have no idea that I've planted them to drag you off to the very next journey of darkness. Why am I sharing this message today? Because I see and I watch our people 
slowly but surely seduced by things that are cloaked in beautiful clothing, yet inwardly they are ravenous wolves pulling the people of God away. The caution is clearly pointed out in Scripture. You see that there was a pattern established in the day of Pentecost that we cannot ignore. Here's what the Bible says about the day of Pentecost. Acts 2 and verse 1. Acts 2 and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in what? One accord where? In what? One place. That means the reason why this pattern needs to be a high example in the minds of those of us in these last days. Whenever there is a oneness, there is a unity, there is a strength. When the people of God are in one accord, in one place, there is a strength and unity. Why do you think over the last couple of years, just the last few years, there has been so much division? Because the devil knows that when we are in one accord, we are prepared to receive the inpouring of the Spirit of God. But when he creates division amongst us, bringing in counterfeit heresies, bringing in politics, bringing in divisive heresies, bringing in things that our minds are being pulled away by. He knows that if we can't agree together, until there is a unity in the church, the people of God are not prepared to bring anybody else in. That's what he does. Instead of being in one accord in one place, there becomes a division, and they're in the same location. He works from the inside. But the reason why the devil is so furious is because he knows God has given us as a remnant people a message. Watch this. Because outside of our borders, there are in Thompsonville and Benton and West Frankfort and Marion and Mount Vernon and Galatia and all the cities around us, there are people that are de desiring to know the very message God has given to us. But if he can keep us busy trying to sort out divisions amongst ourselves, we cannot get, we cannot get out beyond our borders to reach into the hearts and lives of those who want to know the Christ that we know, who wants to know and embrace the truth that God has revealed to us. That's why he said to us, and this is true to us today, John 10, 16, this is our message, this is our mission. He says, other sheep I have which are not of what? This fold, them also I must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be what? One flock, One flock and what? One shepherd, not many counterfeits. One flock, one shepherd. But today, I'm praying for God's church to make it through the challenges that we are facing today. Because the church is being broken up into independent atoms. People are starting their own movements, their own ministries, all claiming to be connected to the same vine or branch, but that is not the case. And when the church was growing, when the Adventist church was growing, the servant of the Lord, Ellen White, warned, watch out when people begin to drag you away in various directions. And then as they drag you away, they start throwing stones back at the very place you came from, while at the very same time claiming to be connected to the very same movement that you claim is God's remnant church. Look at this quotation. It's very significant very timely for the days in which we live. Selected Messages, Book 2, page 68 in paragraph 3. Again I say, 
The Lord has not spoken by any messenger who calls the church that keeps the commandments of God Babylon. True, there are tears with the wheat. Can we say amen? We're not all there yet. But Christ said he would send his angels to first gather the tears and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into his garner. I know that the Lord loves his church. It is not to be, what is the next word? Disorganized or broken up into independent atoms. There is not the least consistency in this. There is not the least evidence that such a thing will be. What's happening today is the church is being broken up into independent atoms. That's why the church has changed the way it deals with new, new people coming in. Let me give you a little bit of history. Pastor Bachelor and I have been blessed, and a number of others. We have Pastor Bachelor and I, I've admired James Rafferty, Ty Gibson, the list goes on, David Asherick, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. There was a time that the church, the leadership, the body of believers had looked for the evidence in a person's life that the Spirit of God was working. And then they said, get the education later. My good friend, Pastor Doug Batchelor, fell in love with the Lord in a cave. Amen. And look at him today. All over the world, as one person said to me once, if I got a nickel every time somebody said Doug Batchelor said, I'd be a millionaire today. God has used him in a powerful way to uplift the glory of the gospel and to draw people and lead them to Christ. He and I began together just a few years apart in the ministry. My wife and I praying to open the doors for God to open doors in ministry for us. And here we are 34 years later, 35 years later. As my conference president said many years ago, we recognize the call of God on your life. If you want to go back to school, you can do that. And I did that. But today, because so many movements have risen, to fight against the church, claiming to be from the church, the conference is now saying, oh, no, 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 no. We've got to put the new guys through the acid test, rigor of test, so that by the time they stand in the pulpits of our churches around the world, we have a greater confidence that they will not lead that congregation down the wrong path. So people that come to the church today, they say, as one person once said, I found the church of Ephesus, a church that's unified. This morning as I'm preaching here, tomorrow they're going to be preaching in a different location. The gospel around the world, wherever you see the name Seventh-day Adventist, it is the desire of God, our Heavenly Father, that we all be in one accord preaching the same thing, proclaiming the same Jesus, and experiencing unity and strength under the guidance of God's word and the powerful working of the Spirit of God. But today, the church is facing counterfeits. What do you need to do to that? What do you need to do to prevent yourself from being drawn in by the counterfeits? Can I hold up the unerring word of God? Can I hold up the book that's going to carry us through? God will carry us through. But if we don't allow this book to become the permeating 
influence in our minds and hearts every day. If we don't open this Bible and let its words sink into our minds, as David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It will not awaken our conscience to sin. It will not remind us of the wrong paths we're going down. It will not give us the wisdom to understand this is right and this is wrong. If we are not studying God's word, we could not experience as a people the unity that God wants us to have. My brothers and sisters, I'm calling you back to scriptural integrity. I'm calling you back to a determination to study God's word. And then and only then can these words be said about us. Psalms 133 and verse 1. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in what, my friends? In unity. I want to go down to my last quotation here in the interest of time. I don't even know what time I started preaching. But it's probably been about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> so let me just go down to my quotation that I want to end with. I want to bring this out very important to you. Here it is. Call to medical evangelism. Page 26, paragraph 5. He who is truly converted will be so filled with the love of God that he will long to impart to others the joy that he himself possesses. Amen. Can somebody say amen to that? You know, when you love God and you walk in, people, people, wrote, people wrote me and said, do you have Walmart in your area? You keep talking about Walmart. When you love God and you walk into Walmart, and somebody brings up the, the topic of the weather. You try to find a way to tell them about Jesus. I'm at the place in my walk with Christ now that I, when I see people, they say, how you doing, Reverend? I say, hey, let me give you a track. Come and visit us. Come and be our guest. Brethren, if that is not a part of the thing that is causing your heart to pulsate, then you cannot understand how God is trying to fill you with his love so full that you impart to others the joy that you yourself possess. Look at how it ends. The Lord desires his church to hold forth to the world the what? Beauty of holiness. She is to demonstrate the what? Power of Christian religion. Heaven is to be reflected in the character of the Christian. That's why genuine worship must be accompanied by genuine theology. This is what you believe. This is the Jesus that you represent. This is what you practice. This is how you reflect it. And why is that vitally important? My last quote. Darkness Before Dawn, page 36, paragraph 2. I want to invite the praise team to come as I close. The last great delusion is soon to open before us. Antichrist is to perform his marvelous work where? In our sight. So closely will the counterfeit resemble the true that it will be impossible to distinguish between them except by the holy scriptures. By their testimony, every statement and every miracle must be 
tested. Are you reading God's word that way? It's a burden I carry for this church. I've seen a lot of you, but I want to see you in the kingdom. We've had, we've have, we have a lot of fun down here, but I want to get together and fellowship with you in the kingdom. I know so many of you, you know, you, you know me, you've seen me grow through the years, you've seen me come here enthusiastic and like a firecracker that has no direction. And finally, God has given me some good direction. But I want to see you in the kingdom. I want you to be there with me. I want us to be there together. I look at the kingdom as the place that God has gone to prepare for me. Therefore, in these days of counterfeits and duplicates and frauds and ripoffs and fakes and fraud and imitations, I want to be able to present before the world the true person of Christ. Is that your desire this morning? Let me challenge you as March begins to bring us this change of weather. Try changing something in the way you do Christianity. Pick your Bible up with your, with your wife, with your husband, with your children. Dust it off. Put the remote down. Put down your phone. Shut down Instagram and all the other social medias and get into it with Christ. And I guarantee you, if you do that in just five days, you're going to see the difference in the way you think the way you are able to discern and the way that Christ can move in your life. If that's your desire this morning, would you stand with me? If that's your desire today, would you stand with me? What is our closing song? I'd like us to pray and then sing our, I want us to sing our closing song, one stanza. And then I want to pray this morning that we don't leave here thinking of religion or life as normal without continuing to visit our to take our lives and visit the word of God and keep the word of God before us day by day, moment by moment this is the only way that our lives will be chiseled to reflect the character of Christ let the word of God read you as you read the word of God loving father in heaven as we sing this song this morning, as we close, I want to pray, Lord, that this will be our testament to look at Christ, to see him, to reflect him, to know that he's guiding us. And as he guides us, may we find in him not only the truth that we embrace, but may we be able to, dis to discern darkness from light, truth from error, the counterfeit from the genuine, the honest from the insincere that which is right from that which is wrong. May we not excuse anything that will lead us away from you, but may we cast ourselves helplessly upon the person of Christ that we may be in your kingdom. I pray this in Christ's holy and precious name. Amen. This one stanza I want to sing together. And I want us to sing this as we are departing this morning. The only way we're going to make it be beyond the counterfeits is to have them cover our lives. Look upon Jesus Sinless is He Father impute His life unto me How 
life of scarlet, my sin and woe, covered with his life, whiter than snow. Together? Covered with his life, whiter than snow, fullness of his love, then shall I know my life of scarlet, my sin and close before we end I just felt impressed to do this is there somebody here today that said I want to be covered with Christ's life I'm not talking about baptism I'm talking about a fresh covering in your life of the life of Jesus is there someone here today that says I want the life of Jesus to cover my life I don't know why we're not just I don't know why we're not under arrest with both hands up <laughs> because we all should want the life of Jesus to cover our lives that's the only way that we'll have this life of scarlet to be covered and to become whiter than snow. As you leave today, as you fellowship and lunch, please contemplate the thought of the days in which we live. Things are going to get tougher before they get better. But if we focus on Christ, he'll bring us through. Make God's word your guide. Make it your concentration. Make it your prayer. And as you study God's word, God will study your life and steady your life, and you'll be ready for the kingdom that is before you. Father, unto him that is able to keep us from falling and to present us before your presence with exceeding joy, to the only wise God be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray, and God's people said, Amen. Amen.